Good morning, everyone. Today, what I, just to give you kind of the main point up front, what I want to, what I want to talk about today is hope and courage. And I just want to toss out this disclaimer. This gospel is like up there among the hardest for me to preach about because it's one of those places where like the entire Bible comes together in like 10 verses and my mind explodes. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Um, So we're limiting it. We have to. We can't talk about everything that's going on. It's just too rich. And so today what we're going to talk about, brothers and sisters, is basically that heaven is real and there are things in life worth suffering for. So if you haven't read Bride's Head Revisited, it's considered one of the greatest Catholic novels ever written. A number of my professors in seminary would say that it's the finest Catholic novel ever to be written. It's a little strange because... uh, it's Victorian England, and you read it at first, and there's, there's just a strange feel to it. But it's filled with just wonderful wisdom and, and kind of funny lines. And Evelyn Waugh, the author, paints a beautiful truth about God's teaching about marriage by the time the book winds its course. But in one scene, there's this, there's this just amazing word of wisdom. And so Julia, who's one of the main characters falls in love with someone she shouldn't have. And she ends up getting a divorce, and she looks back, and she says this. And she's talking about their marriage prep with with a priest who at the time they didn't think knew anything. Mind you. (laughs) She says, You know, Father Mowbray hit on the truth about Rex all at once. A truth that it took me a year of marriage to see. He simply wasn't all there. He wasn't a complete human being at all. A tiny bit of a man pretending he was the whole. I love that line. And of course, what Waugh is hitting on in this section is that you can reach physical maturity without reaching spiritual maturity. And Christianity, along with all of Western civilization, believes, brothers and sisters, that there are certain things that you must become if you're going to live a fully human life. It's like Braveheart. Braveheart stole this from the Catholic Church, right? The every man dies, not every man really lives. It's something like that. It's that for us to really become fully human, we have to acquire what the church calls virtue. And what is virtue? Virtues are good habits. I was reading Joseph Pieper this morning, and, and Pieper has this wonderful line where he says, he says, basically virtue is when our lives are oriented habitually to what is good. It's when our lives are ordered habitually towards what is good. That's so important. 
Right? There's so many things in our lives that are going to fight for our attention. There are things that are going to try and take you off track. The world is going to try to get you to compromise on all sorts of things. And if you're going to become a full human being, unlike Rex, you simply have to fight for what is right and good and true. So I don't know if you do this. In my office, and I've done this for a long time now, I... Um, at different times in my life, I'll print scripture quotes off, and then I'll put them on my wall. And I'm not married, so I don't cut them straight, and I don't frame them, and I just take scotch tape, and I put them on my wall. Take that, women. <laughs> so I'm like a total bachelor, total disaster. <clears throat> but I wish it were otherwise. Brothers and sisters, I wish the world, I wish it were easier to be a Christian. I wish I could tell you that if you just chose Jesus once and you stayed, you know, with that basic thought in mind, that it would be smooth sailing. I wish I could say that. I can't. So on my wall in my office, one of the quotes I have, and I put it there because it reminds me of who I'm supposed to be, and it's from the book of Sirach, chapter 2. It says this. It says, My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, remain in justice and in fear. And prepare your heart for trial. For gold and silver are tested in the fire, and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Hope in God, trust in God, and He will help you. Hope in Him, and He will make your ways straight. Stay in fear of Him, and grow old in Him. If you decide to step forward to serve the Lord, prepare your heart for trial. No one becomes mature, no one becomes holy, brothers and sisters, without difficulty and contention and temptation. It is the only way that any of us become who we're supposed to be, is through difficulties and trials. And you might think, okay, Father Brian, that's probably true for you, you're a priest. Right? What about me? What about my life? Am I really, is it really going to be that hard? 2 Timothy chapter 3, St. Paul says, My persecutions, my sufferings, remember these things. What befell me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And here's the key. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's not an accident. It's not new. You know, we think in our time there's harder things. If you stand up for marriage between one man and one woman, you will be an object of scorn and hatred. If you try to live a godly life, brothers and sisters, in so many different ways, you're going to face difficulties, persecutions, and temptations. And it's not new. It's not unique to our time. It is how it has always been. Peeper, again, I love this. He's just so articulate. Peeper says, it's an error of modernity to think that someone can be just without courage. Hear that again. It's an error of modernity 
to think that someone can be just without courage. You and I have to have that. We have to be men and women of courage. If you're really going to become who you're meant to be, and that's why I, why I talked about Rex, right? Rex Matram, not a full human being. Why? Because if you don't have courage in your life, if you don't have justice and temperance and prudence, you're not really living a fully human life. The virtues make us fully human. It's what God always intended. So what's courage? And that's what I want to get to today. And you're like, oh my gosh, does this have anything? Usually Father Brian preaches about the Bible. Trust me, we'll get there. You're going to get like eight Bible quotes in your face before the day is out. But today is about courage. And why are we talking about this? First of all, I want to just clarify one thing. What is courage? Courage is not the guy who bungee jumps off the Royal Gorge. Okay? That's not courage. Courage is also not someone who rushes into an impossible situation and, you know, defeats everybody. That's not courage. That's stupidity. There's a big difference. And St. Thomas Aquinas points that out. Aristotle points that out. The whole tradition of Western civilization distinguishes between those things and courage. What is courage? Courage is when you know something is good and right and true and beautiful, and you are willing to suffer for that. That's it. Courage is the person who says yes to vulnerability, yes to being willing to actually endure a wound for the sake of something which is truly good. That's why bungee jumping isn't courage, because you're not actually going after something that is truly good. We have to be men and women who understand what we're made for, what is good in human life, and being willing to suffer for that. By the way, St. Thomas Aquinas says, for all of you parents, one of the chief um, ways that courage is manifested, he says, and probably the chief way, is in patience. It's the person who knows, and, and parenting is a great example of this, right? Because they know that their kids are going to keep them up for the next 15 years. And day by day, they will suffer because of something good. That's courage. So what does this have to do with anything? Brothers and sisters, part of what's going on today, and I'm convinced of this, why did Jesus appear in glory? Why did he pull back that curtain and reveal heaven to these three apostles today at the transfiguration. Why did he do that? Here's why. Here's part of the reason. There's much more, but we'd be here for a Protestant sermon, which would be awesome. Good hour, but we don't have time. Why did Jesus do this? Because hope is the mother of courage. Hope is the mother of courage. If you're going to stand for what is good and right and true, you have to have your heart anchored in something so good and so beautiful 
that you'll do anything for it. In the book of Revelation, this is one of my favorite places for this. In the, the first couple chapters of Revelation, God reveals letters to seven churches. And he says similar things over and over again. He says, uh, and to the church at Ephesus, he says, the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the church at Smyrna, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, the world's going to try to throw you off course. In your life, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ will demand of us that we live godly lives. And we all know that there's so many ways the world asks us to compromise and to not be faithful. But what Jesus says to us is, do you want to be faithful? Set your heart on something good and you can endure anything. And so almost every commentator in church history, when scripture scholars and saints and popes and bishops talk about today's gospel reading the transfiguration, and they ask, why did God do this? Why did Jesus pull back that veil and show the apostles who he truly is? Why did he do that? It's because those same three, Peter, James, and John, will be the same three that will see Jesus sweat blood in Gethsemane. The passion is the counter to the transfiguration. Jesus here, his, his clothes become dazzling white and his face shines like the sun. On the cross, he will be stripped naked and bleed. And the Lord, what does he want to do? What does he want to do with us? What does he want to do with those three he wants to build inside of us faith, hope, and love. That's what he was doing. And when Peter and James and John have their hearts set on that transfiguration, they would have been tempted to doubt at the passion. They would have said, Jesus was a failure. It didn't really work. I'll go back to fishing, which Peter does because he was totally lame. But... They saw his glory. They saw it, and they knew it was real. James, who was at the transfiguration, will become the first martyr, uh, well, not the first martyr, St. Stephen is, but he's the first apostle to be martyred right around the Council of Jerusalem. Peter, of course, will be crucified upside down. John will die a white martyrdom, probably worse than the other two, living in exile till he dies a lonely death. Because they hoped. That's what today's about. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to become a full human being, 
if you're going to live a life that's truly human, if you're going to, even further than that, if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to have courage. The world will oppose you. And the only way you'll have courage is if you hope. You build into your hearts, heaven is real. There is something worth fighting for. And I want to, one last thing today. An image that always is so beautiful for me is the saints that have gone through church history and have done this. You know, someday God willing, all of us together will be in heaven. God willing. By the grace of Jesus, by his death and resurrection. But the men and women who have preceded us and the saints, you think of the ways they lived this out. I was praying yesterday with St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom believed in heaven, he believed in Jesus, and he suffered for it. Or he was exiled, like, I forget, something like eight times from Constantinople as the bishop. The emperor was always trying to kill him. He was the greatest preacher probably in church history. But he suffered for something he believed in. And I kept thinking, if you remember in the Super Bowl, and I know this is a little off track, but when you watch the Super Bowl, you know who I feel the worst for always is not the losing team. I always feel bad for like the third string quarterback or kicker who won. And they like never got a snap all season. And they like, there's this huge party in Champagne. They're like, yeah, I got this awesome ring. And I just think they must feel like, didn't really do anything. <laughs> and here's my, my just challenge to you. When we are in heaven, don't you want to look back and say, I suffered with the team. I suffered for something that was good and right, and I stood up in a world that needed God. I stood up and was part of something that mattered. I didn't just get into heaven by not killing anybody. I suffered for the truth. Jesus, we hope in you. We hope in heaven. Give us courage to live as true Christians.